Hello there, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of People's Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. I am delighted to be sitting here having a cup of tea with my friend and organisational psychologist, Johnny Lyne. Hello, Johnny. Hi there. Thanks Hi. for having me. Johnny, welcome to the People Soup Podden family. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. And hi to all you listeners out there. Thank you. And thank you for acknowledging our pea supers. <laughs> I think I'm going to call this episode Exploring with Johnny and trialling this idea of looking at what makes people unique in the workplace, mm. some ideas around that. And then we're going to have a chat. I know you're willing to do this about your, your experience with ACT. Great. Yeah, I'm up for that. My extensive research notes on you, Johnny Lyne, mm. they start... Well, you sound a bit dubious. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite dubious. What do they, they say? They start with, um, it says, charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent. Ah. But that's kind of scored out because I think that's from the very early days of us knowing each other. Yeah. And it's actually when you did a presentation with your good mate, Lauren May. Yes. I think we might give Lauren a shout out. Shout out to Lauren. Shout out to Loz. Loza. Loza. Loza, sorry. Shout out to Loza. Loz. And I was impressed with the way that the two of you presented. There's notes since then. It says outstanding human being. Wow. <laughs> um, it says unusual theoretical brain. Mm-hmm. And we both know who said that. And My mum. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mum. <laughs> and organis- organisational psychology's very own Justin Timberlake. <laughs> wow. I wasn't sure how you'd feel about Justin Timberlake. I have to say, of all the musicians you could pick, Justin Timberlake's a good choice. Because I was going to think of Adam Marine 5. Levine? Yeah. Mm, If it's from the era where Songs About Jane was released, aka one of the best albums of all time, I see myself kind of more as Justin Timberlake in the Senorita phase. I think the album's Justified, maybe. That's where I was going with that. Okay. Bit Cry Me a River. Oh, yes. Well, that was a bit more deep than I expected to be. <laughs> um, I'll take it. So, anything to add to my extensive research notes, Johnny? Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Mm. I think what I'd like to say, especially for this podcast, yeah. is um, where we know each other from and give a bit of context from that. Yeah, go for it, man. So, um, we obviously know each other because I am currently finishing up a Master's in Organisational Psychology at... City University of London, which has been a great experience. But the reason I bring it up was because I believe that you mentioned in one of your first... Was it your first ever episode? Mm, yeah. Where this emerged from. Yeah. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah, well, yeah, you were in the room. I was in the room, that's why I bring it up. And I was giving a lecture trying to G up the current class of 1718. Mm. Because I was a bit frustrated because there's lots of things happening in organisations around the globe. Carillion collapsed, collapsed quite recently at the time I gave the lecture. Stuff around gender differences, pay differences in organisations. And I never really heard org psychs being interviewed on media or on television or on radio. So my shout out to you lot was make some noise. Right. What Um, noise are you making? And someone in your class... Some said, brute. <laughs> some brute said, well, what noise are you making, Macintosh? And I kind of thought, well, I make noise in the organisations I'm working with. Yeah. But do I do anything else? And I thought, fair point. And that's where it all started. Season one, episode one. And look what's happened since. So, pea supers, you might say that my class... Yeah. Inspired it. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. We didn't really know each other at that point. No. I was just but... a small man at the back, <laughs> waving gently. But a small Hello. man at the back who actually looked like he was listening. 
to what I was saying. I do, I do try to <laughs> convey that in the lectures at City. Yeah, well, it worked for me. Oh, thank you. Here we are. Yeah, so anything else, Johnny? Why, why, are you, why organisational psychology? I suppose I wanted to do organisational psychology. Huh, interesting. I haven't thought about that like this. Um, because I think, I think it came a lot from like clinical psychology is great. Mm. And I'm glad someone's doing it. Not me. Um, and I think I wanted to do organisational because it was kind of a bit more everyone. Mm. And it could include those people that have clinical, but it's kind of like everything going on in the workplace and kind of help people make their work lives better, especially because they spend so much time there. Mm. But I think it comes into my interest in the positive psychology movement as well. Yeah. In that you can work with everyone to take them from like okay to great, mm. not just focus on people that are at crisis and bring them to okay, which is what a lot of traditional psychology looks at. Mm. So I think that is kind of my interest in workplace as well of like you can take people that are doing fine and how can you make their workplace amazing. I love it. Yeah, that's me. Am I, I'm trying to think what else. Play a bit of music just to give a sort of holistic view. Thank you. Um, love to sing a little bit. So... If you're lucky, there might be a bit of a... Oh, we, we might have an up some sing, Might whack out the guitar and do some, <laughs> a song about values. Nice one. I won't, I shan't promise that. I've got a song about values, actually. Oh, Maybe for another time. Go on. No, no, I don't oh. have... I think I, I need to kind of rehearse it. Sorry. Sorry. Um, it has um, from Avenue Q. Oh, yeah. There's a song called Purpose. Oh, my God. That lights a fire under your ass. You're so right. Maybe for another edition. Maybe we'll make a video where we reenact it and make our own puppets. <laughs> <laughs> I think in, when the long winter evenings come along and we're chatting about psychology and we fancy a break. Yeah. Watch this space. <laughs> January 2019. I think it could go viral, man. Maybe. We'll try. I'm trying to think what else there is about me to say. Um, currently splitting my time between London and Brighton. So, loving a bit of both of those. Which um, suits me fine. Hey, big old Brighton. Because you can come and see us at People's Soup Towers. Yeah. And also visit up at the old University of London. Yeah. So that's me. Cool. Thank you very I'm much. I'm sure more things will unravel. You know how I like to put... Okay, so listeners, there's a thing I like to do where I put things out there and I don't like to edit it that much. And then it's just out in the world. Mm. So rather than keep on talking, I'll just go like, that's that. And more things will come up later. Right. Boom. Done. Let's get into exploring mode, mm. Johnny Lyon. Um, this is an idea I've got to to start thinking about what makes people unique in the workplace. Because I think we all bring something different, but we don't always reflect on that. Mm-hmm. So I just wondered if there is any a skill or an area of knowledge that you use in your work that, that really stands out for you. Yeah, I think something that I'm noticing recently is... Um, Facilitating, but in the wider sense of facilitating, facilitating anything um, through a lot of like one-to-one connection and exploration. So I'm finding that like on a very surface level that comes out in like facilitating a session for a group, Mm -hmm. but that might be like facilitating meetings, facilitating sales, all of that kind of thing. It's almost like the way that I deliver things and the way that I go about work is by building up those connections and kind of Finding out what the person's about. So I'm getting that you facilitate through this building of connections and finding out what mm. the person's about. How, how do you do that? Asking them. Is what okay. I've, that's a recent skill that I've learnt. 
Oh, so you're, you're, it's, it's a skill that you're... Oh, yeah, constantly building. Layer upon layer. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, the way I like to look at it is, like, rather than... I don't really like presentation and performing, mm. but I like guiding and, like, seeing how I can help people and kind of trying to get from their perspective what's useful for them. I think that's something I try and apply across, or mm. maybe I don't even try and apply, but a way that naturally comes about for me Yeah, in lots of the work that I'm doing. Can you can you cast your mind back and when you when you think you might first notice this skill? Mm. Um, I think a quite obvious example for me mm. is that a lot of my experience comes from growing up doing youth work in mm-hmm. the youth movement, yeah, which is a lot about fun and running like activities for kids, but we also had an educational element, which was all about using innovative methods and like getting them to explore different things and to learn new things and I think a lot of it came from because I was working with kids from ages 8 to 16 you really start to see that people really have very different perspectives and learn in very different ways that kind of just presenting information is not going to work with that range you have to really work out like where are they coming from and what how much are they going to get I mean even taking the same topic looking at an 11 year old and a 14 year old Mm. It's com- you have to do it completely different wavelengths, not yeah. levels, but like they're coming at it from completely different experiences and places. Wow. And how old were you when you started doing youth work? So when I actually was doing youth work, yeah. I was 17, mm-hmm. but I had grown up like being a participant and being a kid there. Got you. So I was part of this movement for about nine years, since the age of 13. Mm. And from 17 onwards, that was leading people. Leading in the kind of facilitating, being a responsible adult sense. Mm. And, and can you think, were you inspired or impressed with someone else who was doing this that you thought, actually, I want to be like them? Hmm. I can't think of anyone in particular. Hmm. But it does make me think of a conversation that I had recently with someone where they asked um, who's inspiring me at the moment or who my idol might hmm. be. And I think I've got to a point now where I'm appreciating that it's not one person and that everyone does their own thing in their own ways and that finding your own path is, like, inspirational for for you as a person. Mm. So I don't even know if there is someone that particularly I draw from, but I like to, like, draw from different things and kind of make my own way yeah. through that. And can you think of a time when you were doing, or when you were doing this youth work, mm. when you thought, man... I bloody love this. Can you think of a time like that when you, th- you thought, I kind of got on this. This is really satisfying me. Um, yes. It was very, I wouldn't even call it education. I was going to say informal education. But I, with three colleagues, was taking 10, 15-year-olds on a hike around somewhere in South Wales. Um, and for three days we had to like be in that group and then we'd camp with everyone else and then we'd like walk to another campsite just as a group and like be with everyone else. And I think it was in that time, like each day we were spending like eight hours walking with these kids where Mm. you've got some sort of loco parentis role with that you've got to engage in some way, but it's not, you're just walking and chatting. And I think it was that kind of, I'm loving the kind of get to know them, like explore like what you can kind of, 
impart and learn from them, mm. but on a very, like, each person's so individual and you're not in a specific learning environment. Thank you. I'm, get, I'm really getting from you this, this you building connections by really, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but respecting the individual. Mm, or, oh, completely. Or really taking the time to appreciate a different perspective. Because I think quite often at work, if we're busy and it's hectic and we've got deadlines, we can kind of slip into the, the is it a trap? I don't know. Mm. Slip into thinking that, well, doesn't everyone think like me? Right. And I definitely notice it myself. <clears throat> yeah. When I'm at my best, I'm good at this. When I'm at my worst, mm. I don't care what other people think. Do you know what I mean? You can just yeah. get into like, no, everyone's feeling like I am or can't, doesn't think in a different way. Mm. I think there is something very measured and considered about it that you can sometimes lose. Mm. And you kind of got to realign. I really think about this in leaders because you know I'm fairly recently running that competition for senior position. And... In all the candidates, you could see that appreciation of different perspectives, sometimes at different to different degrees. Mm. But that that quickness of thinking, that cognitive speed about thinking, what I'm about to say, how is it going to impact that person, that person, that person, that person? Really, that that kind of well, I think is part of psychological flexibility, appreciating what's the environment around you, mm. noticing what the environment is between your ears. And deciding whether you continue on a path or, or adjust your path slightly. Yeah. I think mean, there's something about being open to it as well. Because mm. you could notice it and say, well, I don't care. I'm just going to mm. do me anyway. There's something about being open to the different perspectives that people have and how do you kind of think about your own actions mm. in regards to what other people are feeling, thinking or value. Yeah. And I think that's enormously powerful for people at work. It's a skill to have. Mm. And it's a skill you're... It sounds like it's ongoing, the development of this skill for you. Yeah, totally. I think I'm very... It's very important to me to constantly develop, and especially in this area, so I'm always interested to mm. get more involved with it. And can I just say, P-Super, that this is what makes, for me, makes conversations with Johnny really interesting and exciting. I love talking to this guy because um, you get really, really different perspectives and... I mentioned earlier the, the unusual theoretical mind, and that's not a wrong observation. So Thank you. So I'd just like to take a moment in the middle of this to express my gratitude for the conversations with you. I love them. They're great. God, do we put the world to right? Back at you, man. Great. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to shift us on to... Dun-dun-dun. Oh. Oh, that was a bit menacing. Do you want to try that again? No, I quite like. We'll try it one more time. I'll do a better one. Okay. And now I'm going to shift tack slightly. Dun, da, da, dun, da, da, dun, da, da, I quite like both. Maybe the, maybe the the pea supers can decide. Do you want me to go from one in the middle? Yeah. yeah. Right. Do do a do a a midway one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to set me up again. Okay. And um, yeah, so I want to change tack slightly, Johnny. Uh, oh, <laughs> do that bit again. I got way too excited. Okay, I got so, so excited. Five <laughs> theme tune. So, so I think you might have to have your own theme tune. We should have thought about that before we started. Ooh, okay. Okay. So, Johnny, doing that change of tack made me think maybe you need a you need a theme tune really? when you're on the podcast. I think. Okay. I just decided if 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 you could have a. A little snippet of music that played every time you walked in a room for, say, the next few weeks. Mm. What would it be? Okay. This is this is a big ask because you're a man who loves his music. I do. 
so rifling it, through my this wouldn't this wouldn't be your whole life this would just be the next few weeks oh, you saw the fear of commitment yeah I, I saw that look in your eyes like crikey <laughs> okay yeah so i think i'd go for animal spirits by wolfpack wow is this mm. You hear that? Shout out to Wolfpack. Um, it's a nice <laughs> Hello, yes. Get rid of that. They're probably listening anyway. <laughs> um, because it's like quite a jazzy tune, which on the surface level, surface level I love, but also the lead singer, when they do it live, is also playing the drums while singing. And I love that element of multitasking. Right. And kind of think like, is that my life? That I'm trying to sing whilst also playing the drums and keeping the rhythm okay. of the whole band. We'll put a link to this track yeah. on the show notes. Unfortunately, I can't sing it for you because I'm not familiar with this song. But That's um, okay. I can give you excerpt. a preview and then when people hear it, they can hear how yeah. unlike the yeah. song the preview is. It's like, da-da-da, animal spirits. And you got a heart out there. Put them together and they can't You could edit that out if you want. No, um... I'm quite captivated by that, yeah. Have a listen and then you'll be like, oh, that's not a tune. Okay. What about you, Ross? Oh, oh, oh. I'd never ask. Kind of you. Um, okay, um, yeah, I've got one. Yeah? It's it's the song Send in the Clown. Okay. Because it kind of makes me laugh a little bit. I don't, I don't think it should. But? But it's specifically by Judy Dench. Okay. Because she kind of speak sings it. Right. But you know, do you know the song? I know of the song. I think from a Simpsons episode, I know of the song. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. Uh, I should also say that Johnny and me are different generations, which I love too. So he brings this perspective of... Being born in 1994. Yeah, and I don't. I bring the perspective of being born in 1967. Mm-hmm. So, my song is... I've already said what it is. Yeah. Send in the Clowns by... Go on, give us a chick, give us a sing. Okay, hang on, I need to get into character. Mm, yeah, I'm going to sing it rather than speak it. Ooh, yeah, go on. Isn't it rich? Are we up here? Me here at last on the ground. You in mid-air. Where are the clowns? <laughs> actually got quite intense emotional in that last <laughs> and I think you made direct eye contact with me as you did that last yeah. one where it, was, uh, it was more the inhale before where the clowns <laughs> you kind of left me on edge there Judy where are they Judy taught me that but I just thought it would be funny to have where are the clowns and then you walk in a room so to business mm. act yeah acceptance and commitment therapy mm. so you're a man who's come across this relatively recently. Yes. I wonder if you'd mind just telling us how you came across it. Okay. I came across it during our employee wellbeing module. The lovely Dr. Paul Flaxman introduced it to us um, as a workplace intervention mm-hmm. to help employees improve their psychological flexibility, both in work and outside of work. Yeah, this is this is goes back to what you mentioned before, actually, about people spend a long time at work, but we don't just want to focus. For me, mm. I just don't just I don't just want to focus on people at work. Like I want to get more out of you, Johnny. No, they bring so, everything, don't they? Yeah, you don't just turn up at work and you're like, right, work me's here. It's like Nick Nick Hooper was saying last week's mm. episode. He was saying if you're not living your values in the relationship, you gave the example of the relationship with your father as an example. 
then that impacts how you are at work. Yeah. Everything is kind of connected. So I think organizations are realizing this more and more, but you clearly are. Mm. What did you think when you first heard about the ACT model? What was... Well, I suppose that kind of... It links into why I'm quite interested in it. Mm. So maybe some background would inform what I thought of it. Please do. So, when would have this been? So before I did the Masters, I had a short stint as a job as a research assistant at Sussex University. That's um, where you did your undergrad? Where I did my undergrad. Yeah. So I was working on a project which was looking at reflecting on values and how it might help um, school children with their attainment. So it's very much looking at the values that people did. And I did a lot of looking at how people wrote about their values and um, how they spoke about different values and what values were important to them. So that kind of finished. And then mm. I started doing the Masters. Yeah. And then I was introduced to ACT by Dr. Paul Flaxman, which obviously has a whole section, which is about moving towards um, your values and mm. acting in ways that move towards your values. Mm. And I was kind of interested, I had a bit of interest in kind of mindfulness day to day. I'm not, I don't really get mindfulness meditation. So the kind of noticing aspect of mm. ACT and the value side of ACT were both kind of separate interests of mine that suddenly got presented to me on one slide. And I was like, ooh, there's something here. Yeah. So I was kind of very intrigued, but I suppose I was quite detached from it at the time because it was like, oh, this is a workplace intervention. Mm. I don't understand why, why because it's a workplace intervention did you feel detached because you weren't in a workplace at the time. Yeah, and I think the way that we... No, I'll speak for myself. The way that I saw it was because of the way the university is set up, you kind of look at the research, you understand the model, mm. and you talk about it in an exam or an essay. And then when I started, which we'll probably get into in a bit, sort of applying it to myself and using it in my own life, not necessarily at work, mm. that I started to see the kind of benefit that it has for people. But I think at the time it was very much like, this is a theory, this is an intervention that's used. Mm. And I don't think Paul meant it in that way, but I think that was maybe my headspace in that term. Was I like, think this is content that I need to know. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've kind of already asked my next question for me. So mm. yeah, tell me, if you don't mind, tell me about how you've used it on yourself. Because I think these are the, these are kind of the most revealing stories about if people are sharing that sort of stuff. Mm. So I'd say two main ways that I'm yeah. using it. Um, one of them's the noticing thing was a big thing for me, mm. especially as someone that doesn't really get... I get mindfulness meditations, but they don't really have... They don't, I don't resonate with them as mm. such. Like, some people love them, not necessarily me, but I like stuff like, oh, a mindful walk, or like, oh, um, noticing what's around you and all the body mm. scans more than like a guided meditation or anything. Yeah. Um, so I started doing it mainly... I think it came out of dealing with like uni stress and exams and stuff mm. as a way to be to cope with it. So like I think a lot of my traditional psychology background or straight psychology, even not just mm. traditional psychology, you learn about CBTs, you learn about like the more well-known mindfulness like MBSR, MBCT, mm. and you learn a little bit about maybe. Not you don't even really learn that much about psychotherapy if you do what I did. Let's just pause there. Yes. You mentioned you've peppered a few acronyms there. Yes. So CBT. Yes. Is cognitive behavioural therapy. Yes. 
you also mentioned MBSR, Mindful Based Stress Reduction. Yes. And you also, did you mention... MBCT. Mindful Based Cognitive Therapy. Yes. So I just want to, just want to get that out there for the listeners in case you're thinking, woohoo, that's a lot. Science. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so all of those things I'd kind of learned at undergrad and all of those skills maybe... You that, did those at undergrad? Yeah, bits wow. of them. Mm. It's been thrown around as like ways to deal with stress. Yes. And yes. some of them have come up, came up as interventions that have been built out of the mindfulness movement. Mm. Um, but basically, I suppose the takeaway from that is that like none of those skills that I'd come across were really working in terms of dealing with exam stress and uni stress. Yeah. However, the noticing thing was great. I was like, oh, I'm stressed. Great. Move on. Um which was a very new way to see it, rather than like, oh, I'm stressed, why do I feel stressed? Why don't I change how I feel? And all of this kind of thing. So it's that, it's that pure... They're like accepting... No, okay. Yeah, they're like noticing and the accepting. Be like, right. this is what I'm feeling. Mm. Good for you, would you want a medal? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, great, you're stressed, you're doing exams. Yeah. Um, so that's one side of it. The other side of it was very much the value side of it. Mm. So I was quite intrigued in values. Mm. And... Within the, I suppose this is maybe where using it in my personal life kind of started. Mm. With Paul, we did a values card sort. And I don't know, have you spoken about this on the podcast before? Um, probably not the cards. I'm not sure. I've spoken about values and I, I've, I've put uh, a list of values in the show notes. Mm. But um, hey, for me, you can never talk about values enough. So Right. So I'll give a very, very basic. So I want to get your take on it. As yeah. someone who experienced it. So... For those who don't know, a values card sort is a way for you to clarify what you value mm. and what your values are. So it's basically a big stack of different values mm. and you sit there and you choose um, and you, I don't want to say prioritise because it's not the right word, but you mm. kind of sort them into ones that resonate with you the most or a bit or the least. Mm. And through that, it's a way for instead of someone te- you doing a questionnaire and someone telling you what your values are, mm. it's a way that you can personally look at them and pick between them. I quite like when people sort of put two together as like, oh, this is getting the same thing for me. Yeah. So they kind of rule them out, but they're both important. And it's a useful exercise for people that maybe know what's important to them, but like don't know how to put a name on it. Mm. So like I knew what things I cared about in life, but I didn't know what values I had. Mm. So from that... I suppose in the moment I was like, okay, this is an interesting thing to use for the intervention. But then I started to think about using it in my own life. Yeah. And for me, it was very much like a three-step process. Mm. So I very much started by reflecting on what I had done that might align with the values that I chose for myself. So what what you'd done already in in life or in a particular time period? I'm interested. So it started random, but then I fell into a routine mm. of doing it every night before I go to sleep, reflecting on what I did that day that aligned with my values. Wow, is this? Yeah. Okay, so so you were, you were choosing different... Fa- Help me out here so, so I... the listeners can understand because I think this is going to be the takeaway okay. from this. A little... Um, I'm overexcited now. Talk me through it. A bit. So I, in the uh, exercise, mm-hmm. identified six core values for myself, mm-hmm. which two of which I then ditched. Right, And I think it's important for me to say that then I've learned, you can ditch whatever values you want. Like, you don't have to stick with them. You c- they can ch- ch- chop and change a bit. Like, 
you don't have to feel like that's written up in the stars and those are the values you're now living for the rest that's, of your life. That's like music to my ears. Because I think quite often when we do these values card sorts, people are like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah, these are my six. These are my six forever and ever, amen. Mm. And it's kind of like, hey, I maybe change mine depending on what I'm doing, depending on the context. Mm. Or, yeah, ditching. Continue. Sorry, so I, I kind of felt some of them were covered by others and some of them were like, and they're mm. not as much as others. So I kind of ended up with four. Maybe I should just say what the four are to make it more tangible. If you wouldn't mind, that'd be great. So the four that I ended up with were self-development, mm-hmm. creativity, yeah. fairness, and supportiveness. And those are like my main four. So every night I'd reflect um, what I did that day that aligned with each of those. Mm. And if possible, it's like one point if you did something that aligned with each of those. Like right. five points if you can get something that aligned with two of them or all of them right. in one action. Wow. So if I did one action that was like supportive, fair, creative and developed myself, mm. you're like ding, 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 you're on the money. <laughs> like everything else is good. It's great yeah. to be aligned with those. But if there's something that can hit all of those, you're, there's something going right that day. But I'm really interested in this reflection piece that's looking back on a day and doing it that regularly. Mm. Do you still do it? I try to. I sometimes forget. And are you choosing different value? But these are your core now. You're not choosing different values. No, ever. that's always that four. If I can find that four, something I did that day that makes each four. And is there anything else you're doing? You talked about retrospect. Mm. So this is step one. Sorry. So something on that is also I try to break down something, find something as small as possible just so it can fit with that value. I think that's part of why I do it every night, that it's like I try and find one for each four even if that means you're having to think of like the smallest mm. thing you've done that day that is yeah. fair or the smallest thing that is mm. supportive. So then step two from that, which was a natural progression, was starting to notice when I was doing things that aligned with those values as they happened. Yeah. So I still do it at night, but also now... And I don't think this is, can be a, as a conscious thing because otherwise all day you're there like, am I doing my values? Um, <laughs> But you, I think you just start to pick up on it more because you start to mark things as like, oh, I'll think about that tonight when I'm reflecting on it. Mm. But by doing that, you're naturally but reflecting on it But it's in that moment. Then. Yeah. But it starts off being like, oh, I'll bring that up. And you're like, why bring it up? I'll just do it now. And you're like, oh, that was me being supportive. That was me being mm. fair, all of that. So that's step two. Right. And then from that, the natural progression is step three, which is then choosing actions based on my values. So like a proactive so now that I've noticed mm. how I'm reaching these, mm. what can I do now that I know these are my values? And that that varies in scope. So it could be like, I've got a free day today and I'm bored. What shall I do? Well, why don't I do something that aligns with my values to mm. reacting to a very specific task at work? And is there a way that I can do it that slightly aligns with one of my values? Mm. And what's been what's been the outcome for you of this, this whole three-step process and and really really getting in touch with those values that are important to you i think first of the appreciation of just that like i am living according to my values but also a big thing for me is like authenticity Mm. and i think it's you're a lot i'm a lot more authentic to myself when i'm living out these values yeah and it's just a more yeah being more true to myself in the way that i act in a conscious way Mm. So it's like, oh, if I'm responding to this, how can I do it in a way that's supporting someone or supporting myself? So if I, if I would, we, we often speak about the ACT matrix, mm. which is a whole nother ball game, and I've touched upon it briefly in the podcast. Yeah. But um, 
I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is it more you moving towards who you want to be? Completely, yeah. It's, that's what authenticity means to you. Yes. Yeah, I think it's very much like living out your values. Mm. How are you going to act moving towards those? Love it. And we've never, you've never actually told me that three steps before. So I'm like yeah, buzzing. And I think, so an insight that I've had myself, mm. um, for all you listeners out there, I'd say it, I now retrospectively allocate three steps to it. But my way of thinking is if you just start with the reflection, it just naturally cascades and starts mm. to happen. So I think it's a lot to try and do that all at once. But if you just start reflecting, or if, mm. when I started reflecting, it kind of naturally built. That's interesting because that's what we're look, We're discussing this with Paul, mm. Paul Flexman. This is, this is, and this is what Benji Schoendorf is talking about as well, who developed the matrix with Kevin Polk. He said that if we start developing this retrospective noticing, then the other stuff kind of comes. Yeah. Those, those values are more uppermost in our minds, in our, might even say hierarchy, but then I'm getting into something I know not much about. So brilliant. Could that be the key takeaway? That can be. Mm. That could be. Because the I guess the other thing you and me have been discussing over the last few That's weeks. That's what I was wanting. Yeah, go on. Ah, oh, those concentric circles. Yeah. Which has been, as someone with, who's been steeped in it a bit longer than Johnny, that's been quite um, revelatory for me. Because mm. ever since the conference in Canada, I've been really focused on these values of connection, friendship, love, and fun. Mm-hmm. Just as a kind of a little experiment, they, they are important to me. Perhaps elements of them were in my core values, but... But I really wanted to focus on them and really think how I could bring them to life. And I've been doing a similar thing to you. Possibly not, I don't think quite as sophisticated, but let's not get judgy. No. Hello, judgy mind. Um, but we were talking about this idea of concentric circle. I don't know if I was explaining this very well. And talking mm. about working on yourself first before you maybe make an impact on your close relationships, or your family, or your workplace, or, or your village, or your town. I'm just using random examples, but yeah. you know what I mean? And that was really powerful to me when you said this, mm. this thing about working on yourself, because I think it's quite easy to see how I can use my values in, in, in those things like relationships with people at work, with people, with friends and stuff. You've experienced quite a lot of this from me over the last yeah. few weeks, but um, turning them in on myself, whole nother ball game. Right. So I suppose... A concrete example from me, and then yeah. I'll explain the concentric circles more. Yeah, please. Well, maybe I should do it the other way around. I'm going to do it the other way around. Do it. So I'm in terms of trying to explain, because I think it's all kind of a weird concept to try and explain. Mm. So with the concentric circles, I know this is what they mean, but basically, if you think of a circle, and then that's you, and then out, if you draw a bigger circle that has that circle in it, mm. that might be your team, or your family, or your close friend group. And mm. then if you draw another bigger circle outside of that, mm. that's like your department, or your wider network, mm. or your wider family, or something like mm. that. So, should I talk about the background of it? Yeah, please. I might do a brief... I, 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 think it's, I think it adds context, it adds interest. A brief tag. Right, so I'm Jewish. And I learnt this idea through the idea of um, tikkun olam in Judaism, which translates as like repairing the world, but it's all about social action and how you can have a positive impact socially in the world. Mm. And it basically has like five concentric circles where it basically says to 
help have a positive impact on the world, you've got to start with yourself. Mm. And then that kind of can ripple out step by step, but it really starts with you. Um, And so looking at this idea and act, it's like, specifically, I came to think a bit about leaders of like, if you're trying to help your whole organisation, well, what are you doing to help your department? What are you doing to help your Mm. team? And what are you doing to help yourself? Mm. So that's kind of where the idea comes from. I suppose a concrete example of it is, for me, the value of supportiveness. And I found that I was trying to reach the value of supportiveness very much in supporting other people, Mm. potentially to the detriment of myself and to... I was kind of getting burnt out. Mm. And then I kind of had the question, well, how am I supporting myself? And what would the value Mm. of supportiveness look like if I was trying to act in a supportive way to myself? And then I suppose in the other element switching it around it's kind of like looking at self-development how can you help develop others so Mm. it's about like where are you pointing your value towards and the idea of like turning it in on you to be able to then have a positive impact Mm. on others absolutely love this because quite often in trainings i'll talk to people and i'll say oh maybe you want to try turning that value on yourself but i don't don't go any further than that in the training Mm. you give me a whole new way with your permission Mm. to go in there but also like I said, I've tried turning this on me. Yeah. Just as an example, the, the values of friendship and love. Yeah. Thinking about how I can apply them to my husband, my friends, my family, my work colleagues. I'm having great fun. I am having great fun exploring that mm. and thinking, oh God, I've got a team workshop today. How could I express the value of love in that? Which sounds really odd and difficult, but actually... I'm having a go at thinking about what would it be like if I really tried to connect with these people in a loving way. Mm. But then, absolute revelation is Macintosh turning these on myself. So, say, say, let's use friendship and love. Um, just thinking how much, because thinking about, we, I often talk about my unhelpful thoughts, but thinking about that whole critical voice and that, am I, I don't want to get too heavy, but am I really friends with myself or the way I, the way, the content my mind generates is it is that quite harsh and yes it is mm. and what would it be like if I was really friends with myself or really loved myself and that has been I'm not sure I've quite got the words at the moment but that has been quite um astounding yeah and I don't use that word lightly astounding and kind of like um also freeing to think hey you're a bit of a knob but um actually why don't I just love that bit of me yeah. And the word awkward always also springs to mind. Sometimes I express myself quite, I think I express myself quite awkwardly. Um, but just like, hey, love that about me. Or let's be friends with me. I don't want to go down this, this too much more because I think it could be a whole other episode. But, yeah. but this idea of directing, working on ourselves to make me even more effective at... Um, sharing this behavioural science that I care about so much because it's got such its evidence base and it makes a difference. I also think there's some element of, like, practising what you preach. So, like, my example of it is, so, mm. like, fairness. Mm. I can, to the end of the day, be like, am I being fair to other people, like, mm. in a social action way? Like, yeah. am I being fair to everyone? But am I being fair to myself? And mm. looking at some acts that I do and it's like, well, at the base level, is that fair to me? Mm. And sometimes that's pulling yourself up on things that it's like oh, you haven't done as much work as you should do for the amount of fun you're having, mm. that's weighing the fairness. But also maybe you need to take time for yourself and the kind of self-care thing of like, yeah. is what you're doing fair to yourself? Yeah. 
So I think there is a lot to be said about turning these values in on yourself. Yeah. So I was thinking that might be the takeaway. <laughs> I think it, I think it is. I'm, I'm, well, you know, I'm absolutely sold on it and I'm getting so much benefit. So let's, let's craft that into the takeaway. Okay. So Johnny, could you try and summarize the takeaway for us? Yeah. And I think this very much comes from me using ACT, not really being an academic in ACT. Mm. Um, and it's more of a challenge than a takeaway of just try turning your values in on yourself mm. and see what you find and see how that works. But with that image of the, the circles, with, with that, because that really helps me think about it. Okay, so a caveat to that could yes. be looking at how you can live your value out with others by turning it in on yourself. So looking at how you can be supportive of others by supporting yourself mm. or how you may be able to love others by loving yourself. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast and a joy, yeah. as usual. Yeah, it's been a good break from our um, dance rehearsals that we were doing earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the video, obviously. And I hope, as part of the family, you'll, you'll come on again. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Have a lovely evening or day, peace sweepers. So, there you have it, peace sweepers. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we loved recording it. Thanks again to Johnny for being so generous and open with his reflections, ideas and insights, and also for bringing his own values to life. Now, during the episode, Johnny talked about a card sort. A values card sort, in fact, and we'd like to offer you the chance to get your very own set of values cards. You will literally be the talk of the town. All we ask is that you share this episode on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn or Facebook with a comment, it's got to be with a comment, or rate us and write a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. And we will enter you in a prize draw to win one of three sets of values cards, which I will post anywhere in the world. The competition closes on Sunday the 9th of September and I'll ask Johnny to select three lucky winners at some point during the following week. And he'll do that at random, by the way. We're very fair here at People Soup. Good luck and thanks very much for your support. You can get in touch, as usual, uh, via email at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com, Instagram, people.soup, Twitter, peoplesouppod. Thanks so much for listening. Your support really means a great deal. Have a great week, and I look forward to chatting very soon. Take care, and bye for now. Yeah, I think it might be Suddenly I See by Katie Tunstall. Suddenly I See. Suddenly I See. This is, this is what I mean to me. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the start of it, um, have you seen The Devil Wears Prada? I have, I watched, it, I watched it the other night. Right, so it's the one at the start where everyone's like getting ready and crossing the road to go to work. I feel like that's constantly the mood I'm in. Like, yeah. <laughs> Doing my hair to go to work or like yeah. putting some shoes on or like eating a biscuit. <laughs>